So, uh, you might remember me. <laughs> it's my uh, first week back in five weeks or six weeks, and uh, it's been a real uh, privilege to have the last, uh, well, have August off, basically, and uh, get kind of back into some uh, normal rhythm. And um, it's uh, the last few years at church, as many of you can attest, has been a bit crazy. So it's been a bit crazy for me personally, but also in my role here at the church as well. So for the elders to um, and the members to say yes as well of the church, to give me the whole of August off has been, um, has been a godsend, has been really necessary. It's helped me relax and be restored and be refreshed and all the other R words you can think. Um, and it's been amazing to be able to just catch my breath and uh, just see what God is saying to me, to us here as the church as well. Um, firstly, just thank you, elders, thank you, members, for giving me the time off. It's been fantastic. Uh, lots of things being done. Uh, went to Brighton with the family, went to Cornwall with the family, saw old friends as well, which has been fantastic, and some new. Uh, we, what else did we do, Abs? We went to visit another churches, which is always good. Lots of fishing. You're like, you're such a geek, I know. Lots of fishing. Caught my biggest ever carp, fish, in case you don't know what a carp is. I know Paul will appreciate that. Thank you, Paul. In fact, Paul gave me a welcome back present this morning, which was a pair of socks, right? Oh, that's why I'm not a goalie. And uh, it says, the man, the myth, the fishing legend. So thank you, Paul. Very appreciative for that. Um, yeah, lots of, lots of time to, to really just reflect and get some rhythm back in my life I suppose and it's been great to spend time with my family. I even did some house jobs didn't I around the house? Not enough. Yeah I can tell about that reaction. Not enough house jobs so gonna be in trouble later for that. Good but also um, something else that enabled me to do is to get back into a level of fitness something that has probably dropped off the last few years due to busyness and everything else and what's necessary has been uh, either working out or um, going to the play with the football team. You guys are thinking, don't you dare come back to the football team. <laughs> it's all right, it's safe, don't worry. But also running. Running has been something that, although I absolutely hate it, it's been really good for my mental health and my physical health. But also I think I'd miss, really understood how important it's been for my spiritual health. Some of you might well understand that. Do you get that? When you're out running or walking and you just get that sense of time and space with God and you're out in creation and everything else. Am I the only one or do we all... So we get that as well. That's good. It was actually whilst out uh, running, one of my last, well, I say jog, jogging, <laughs> walk jogging, uh, that, um, that I had kind of this, this idea for the sermon. And I think it's probably, um, it felt like a bit of an existential moment, really. And it started off with me trying to battle in my head, go on, go running. And my knees were saying, don't do it. <laughs> um, my brain was saying, do it, you'll enjoy it. So I got out there, started running. And uh, after about 10 minutes, I was thinking, this is all right. This is okay, I can do this still. And um, I just felt this thought sort of popped into my head, which was, what are you running for? I was like, well, I'm running to get back home, <laughs> right? And I was like, this is interesting, what's going on? You know, and then this kind of continued dialogue of, why are you running? What's the point? You only ache in the morning. Where is this going to get you? And at first I thought it was my brain's way of sort of saying, just stop, right? And I was thinking, I'll give in to this, I can give in to it. But the dialogue went on. You don't need, yeah, you might get fitter. Yeah, you might even start to enjoy it. I doubt it. Um, you might even get back into the football team. <laughs> but then what, okay? What if you don't get fitter? What if you do get into the football team? Is that the purpose right now? Or will you just focus on something else? And it got me thinking a lot about life. And again, this week with the events with the Queen, it's got me thinking a lot about life. 
Where am I investing my time and my resources and my energy? In things that will outlast me or in things that, yeah, can be good for me. But when I pass, they will pass as well. To further explain what I mean, some of you might be thinking, what is that long piece of rope uh, on, the, on the floor? If you know Francis Chan, or you've heard of him, he's a pastor, was a teacher now, uh, was in America. And uh, I've, this analogy, I take no credit for it, I'm totally ripping him off. Um, but this analogy stuck with me for, for forever, really. I saw it when I was really young, and I want to use it again today if that's okay. And it's this. It's a piece of long rope. Can you see how long that is on the platform? I was going to ask someone to hold it up. It goes all the way up and then all the way back down. But imagine this rope. This rope represents our existence. You see it? Imagine there's no ends, though, right? It doesn't finish by the light. It just keeps going on and on and on. And he says that, you know, we've got a few short years. This blue bit is, you know, if God willing, 80 maybe years plus. We have a few short years on earth and then we've got all of eternity somewhere else. He goes on to say that so many people, believers and unbelievers alike, you know, we are consumed with this blue part, aren't we? We're consumed with it. Almost as if the rest just doesn't exist. And perhaps that's easy for us to believe that, that the rest just doesn't exist, right? We don't have to worry about the future. It just doesn't exist. And I believe there's a spiritual reason as to why we don't think there's an eternity, (laughs) I won't get into that right now. For some people, their lives are all about working really hard for two-thirds of it and then having a tiny bit at the end for comfort. But what about the rest? Right? Some of it is about life is hard. You've just got to get through it. Other things are dealing with financial issues. You know, some people are really dealing with that hard at the moment. End-of-year projects, things we need to get done. Perhaps for some people it's all about fun. You know, life is just about fun. Experiencing as much as you possibly can before you die. You know, things to explore, things to do. For others of us it might be family. It's all about family. It's all about friendships. It's all about relationships. It's about getting the one, finding the one, marrying the one. It might be about your job, getting a bigger house, more money, influence, power, a dog. (laughs) I don't know. But we can fill our life up with stuff. And all of our energy, all of our resources, everything we do becomes focused on the blue bit. Does that look blue from where you are? Okay, good, that works. It's not that those things are bad, by the way, not at all. Right? They're good things. You want to improve yourself, you want to keep fit. It's good to work hard and everything else. But often that can become our full focus, you know. There's enough pressures and pleasures in the present that eternity can seem like, well, an eternity away, can't it, at times? It's in the future. Heavenly things, earthly things, eternal things, you know, just that's, that's for me to worry about another day. But we, even this week, I think we've been shocked, haven't we? Even though the Queen was so old, you know, a, a person of stability, isn't she? She's just there, right? But even someone who's been there is no longer there. And it rocks us a little bit. And I believe the unmistakable... One of the unmistakable characteristics of scripture, and I believe the eternal echo that is within each one of us, is that eternity is coming. Whether we choose to believe in it is kind of irrelevant. Scripture teaches us that eternity is coming. In fact, scripture teaches us that God placed eternity into the hearts of mankind. Eternity is in us somewhere. That's why in those darkest moments, in those coldest, saddest moments, we stop and we reflect and we think, what is this all about? What is this all about? 
listen, I don't want to be a sensationalist, and I'm not a prophet at all, but I listen to a lot of people that are preaching and teaching and speaking on end time stuff. I'm not saying we're in the end time, so don't freak out. Okay? And for those of you that do the same, you might be sensing this, this shift at the moment. I don't know whether it's because we are on the edge of a, sorry about this, um, potential war. I don't know whether it's a global climate thing, a weather change, and everything just seems to be changed. I don't know, even the news this week with the Queen passing, or the government, all sorts of stuff, right? But it feels like the world is groaning right now. I hope I'm not the only one that senses that, am I? I don't know. I think personally we need to live with a healthy realisation that life, both personally and collectively, is fragile and it's changing a lot. It's changing a lot. And that can be, you can be scared of that and you can be worried about it and we can stick our heads in the sand and we can just live for the now. We can just do, just carry on working and everything else and money, bigger houses, all that. Or we can actually acknowledge that there's an eternity afoot. <laughs> there's an eternity around the corner. And I believe God is the God of eternity. He's the God of the now as well. He's the God of the hope and the future. He's the God of the past. He never changes, right? Even with the queen who sadly passed away. God is always there. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. His kingdom is unshakable. I see God bringing a fresh move of his spirit into church. I believe that. I see in that other churches as well. I see a fresh move of his spirit in communities as well. In fact, my privilege as pastor here is that before I went off, um, whenever that was, six weeks ago, I had two conversations with people who just woke up and felt like God spoke to them. They didn't know who God is. (laughs) They just felt like God spoke to them. Can I come in and chat? Even this week, something similar as well. I believe God is stirring. The Spirit is stirring something. Whether it's circumstantial, because of everything that's going on, I don't know. But I think perhaps it's awakening us to the spiritual part of our lives. I hope I'm not the only one who thinks that. So, your life. Do you waste it? Do you spend it on yourself? Or do you invest it into other things? Into eternal things? Things that will last forever. Things that will outlast you. You know, as we face a new academic term, as we face possibly new troubles and problems, financial issues and everything else, as a new football season is upon us, what are we doing with our lives? Big question, right? What are we doing with our lives? Where are we investing it? Our energy and our resources. And that's why today I want us to look at um, Matthew 25, 14 to 30, just for context before I invite Annalise up here to give us the reading. This is about, there's three parables that Jesus is, is, is teaching, really. He's been asked about the kingdom of God and when to expect his return. And he's giving an answer on how to live and what to be prepared for, for when he does return. The first parable in that section, if you know your Bibles, will say, talks about the ten bridesmaids or ten virgins, that five had oil in their lamp and the other five didn't. And the five that didn't suddenly realized that the groom was coming back and they weren't ready. You know, and that parable is always about, are you ready? Are you spiritually ready? Is your condition, your heart ready for the return of Jesus? Or for when you sadly might pass away? The last parable in that little section is the sheep and the goats. And that one day God will separate, this is in the Bible, read it for yourselves, the sheep and the goats. Right? There'll be people that are right before God because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And there'll be people that are wrong before God because they've not accepted Jesus. And only Jesus gets to judge the state of our hearts. No one else does. Only he will do that. And this parable that we're looking at today is about three servants. And really it's about how we live our life in between all that. How we're living our lives right now. So I'm going to invite Annalise up just to give our Bible reading. If you want to follow us, it's in Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. 
Thanks, Annalise. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also he, the one who... Sorry, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the masters of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man, who, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you had heard you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See here, is, this is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so, so you know that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put, your, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take a bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and thrown that worthless servant aside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you, Annalise. So I hope as we were reading that or following that 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 you read yourself into, into the parable as one of the servants, and that you saw Jesus as God, as the master there. And I've just got a few, four principles I want to pull out of that passage, um, hopefully reasonably quickly. But I hope they challenge us in how we're choosing to live our lives right now, in the space before eternity. And it's the first thing is this, it's about the mindset. Our mindset for eternal living, for living for the future, is really, really important. And this, it's this, the first one is that we, you and I, are living a life on loan. We're living a life that is on loan. Your life and every good thing in it is a gift from God. If you look at verse 14 and 15, whose money was it? Whose money was it? It was the master's money, wasn't it? It wasn't their money. Their life as a servant would have been fully dependent on their master. Everything that they had would have been as a result of their master. So you could say their existence was dependent on their master. Nothing that they owned was really theirs. It was because of their master. You know, in Psalm 139, it says this. Some of you will be familiar with this. It says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Our lives are on loan. (laughs) They're from God, the very essence of life himself. He breathed into us in Genesis, didn't he? Life. He formed us, our DNA, our biological makeup, and he gives us life. Do you believe that? However you believe that, at the moment is irrelevant. But he gives us life. He loans us life. Therefore, everything in our life, the good gifts, as, one, as James 1.17 talks about, from on high, from the Father of lights, are loaned as well. He orchestrated the very days of your life. He knows when your last breath will be. And yet we still fall for this, con- we're in control, <laughs> don't we? We're born with nothing and we die with nothing. And we might get 60, 70, 80, 90 years, we might not get anywhere near that. But do we understand that a mindset of thinking and living for the future recognises that the life that you have is on loan to you? It's really, really important to know that. Do you wake up each day, church, and recognise that you've got fresh breath in your lungs, fresh opportunities, that whether it's raining or it's sunny, and at the moment it's both after about an hour, um, it's good because God is good and he's given you life and he's looking at you thinking, your life is on loan. What are you going to bring back to me? The resources that you have in your life are on loan as well. You see that in verse 15. But it's really important to say that each person has a talent. A bag of gold. It meant money back then. It's kind of changed a little bit over time. But back then, a talent would have been about 6,000 denarii, okay? You'd have earned about one denarius a day. So this one servant three got about 20 years worth of wage up front, (laughs) right? I don't know if you have the privilege of having a job and you earn in this building or you're watching online, then can you imagine receiving 20 years worth of your salary up front? It's a lot, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Are you with me? I need interaction. I'm not going to die otherwise. <laughs> okay. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Really. I know it's not compared to two talents or five talents, but it got me thinking, and hopefully it get you thinking, if you were given 20 years worth of your wage up front, what would you do with it? It's mine. It's mine. It's all mine. I can get myself that yacht and that house and that thing and I can that and this, everything else. And then I'll pretend I haven't got any money from my relatives just in case they ask about it. You know, it's a lot of money. Even in the parable, right, you see a servant that is just really resentful. Despite the amount of money that they were given. This is God's way of saying he's given us a lot. So often though we look at everyone else, don't we, and go, I covet what they've got. I want what they have. I want a bigger house. I want more prestige. I want more power. I don't want all the stress of this stuff. And yet God's given you a life on loan for a reason. He looks at you with your life and he says, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? In the verse it says, according to their abilities, they were given these talents. You know, that abilities is a Greek word called dunamis, which means power or actually can mean capabilities as well. So The servants received a talent depending on their capabilities, whether the master could trust them with what he's given them. And I believe that's the same for us as well. It's proportionate to our capabilities. That might seem unfair to some of you, 
But I believe God is waiting to see, I've given you life, even if you don't want to acknowledge me as a life giver, I've given you life. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Luke 16, 10 says, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. You know? You'll notice that the servant who had five talents at the beginning actually ends up with 11 at the end because they can be trusted. More on that later. But start with what you have. What resources do you have? You know, don't go looking at other people and go, well, that's because they've got more time. That's why they can do this. It's because they've got more money. That's why they can do that. It's because they're more qualified. They're better than this because they're special. What have you got? Because you've got something. God gave all his servants a talent. You've all got something. You've all got something. So what is it? A little or a lot? I don't know. What are you using it for? To invest in this your lifetime only for yourself or something that will last forever? Think about it. What are your times, your treasures, your talent that you've got? What abilities or skills do you have? Your resources, spiritual gifts. We need to unpack that at some point. Spiritual gifts. What spiritual gifts do you have? Romans 12, 6 says, in his grace, in God's goodness, God has given us all different gifts for doing certain things well. Resources. If it's prophecy, speak out with faith. If your gift is serving, serve others well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouragement, Encourage well. I'm going to just say this so you won't like it. I don't know if PJ's here. He's probably around somewhere. Some of you got to know he's waving. He's waving. Some of you probably got to know PJ quite a lot, quite well, in quite a short amount of time. He's a great guy. But this, he shared something really lovely with me last night before my sermon today. And he immediately embodies that gift of encouragement. All right? He's got something to give that outlasts himself. He doesn't get anything from that other than he honors God with the gift that he's been given. I got loads from that. It was a beautiful moment. If it's kindness, do it gladly. If it's leadership, take responsibility. If it's giving, give generously. And I believe beyond that, opportunities are also talents. There are opportunities. It could be that your job is something given to you by God. It's in your life. Whether you like your job, it's still a good thing that you have a job. Maybe if you have family or children or grandchildren, this church is a gift, is it not? It's a talent. Our community is a talent. It's an opportunity for us as well and we've got two ways to deal with it we do one of two things we either do what servant one and two did and we fully invest ourselves into it because it's bigger than us it's not about me or we do what servant three did and we hide it we hide it that's the choices that we have with the life that we've got with the resources that we've got but either way one day verse 19 the master returns (laughs) The master returns. We will all give an account for what we've done with our life. It's just why it's easy to believe that we won't give an account, but we will. We will give an account for our lives, the things that we've done with it. And by the way, a significant an aside here, the grand narrative of Scripture is reconciliation, that your heavenly Father, whether you call him that or not, wants to know you personally. He made that possible through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the best talent that God ever gave us. Right? Some of you have got it, you've got access to it, and you dip into it whenever you need it. Some of you have got it, you don't even realize that you've got it. But the truth is, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, and he says, I've given you all that you actually need is found in Jesus, so that eternity is possible. Some of you need to perhaps realize that and hear that today. Some of you that know Jesus well and love him, What does it look like to allow him to be the leader of your life each day, the master, and recognizing that he's given you life each day? 
I want, when I die, <laughs> I, want, I want good and, well done my good and faithful servant. I don't want Matthew 7, go away from me, I never knew you. I don't want that. I don't want that. Do you? I want to accept Jesus and I want to accept his plan for my life that is basically intertwined with his will for this world, not my own will. I don't want to reject him. I don't want anyone to reject him. What does it look like for you today to actually invest that one, even if it's just that one talent, the truth of Jesus Christ on the cross? You're thinking maybe that Alpha course is a good opportunity for me right now. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Either way, Scripture says one day we will all acknowledge that God is God. And then we'll have a destination afterwards. What have you done with the gift of Jesus? What have you done with the gift of your life? What have you done with the treasures, the time and the talents that you've got? Are you being wise like servant one and two? Investing in things that will last? Are you investing it in yourself? Are you cautious and conservative? You know, I'll deal with that a bit later on in life. You know, I'm just too busy. Servant three was accused of being what? Wicked and lazy. The sin of passivity. The sin of inactivity. Some of us, even those of us that are believers, sometimes we struggle with this. Faith just ticks over. We're kind of inactive. It's just been something that we said yes to Jesus for many, many moons ago. But that's it. That's all I'm giving him. Jesus, when he died, gives you life in all its fullness. John 10, 10. Right? That word life is a word called zoe life. It's a Greek word. It's spiritual life. It's not bios, bios life. It's a, it's a Greek word for spiritual deep life. He gave you deep life. It's called faith. It's having faith. And it says in the scripture that without faith you can't please God. You know, he called you to a life of risk. You notice that the servants that had five talents and two talents, they risked all that they had, didn't they? They could have lost it all, couldn't they? The master could have returned and they could have gone, yeah, sorry about that. Um, or I could have spent it all on myself. But they risked it because that's what faith looks like. That's what life in its fullness looks like. Living for Jesus. It's exciting. It's hard. It's painful at times. It might cost you something in terms of your, I don't know, your friends thinking towards you, your job. I don't know. But it's spiritual life because you know that you're serving your master who's given you life in the first place. We have a principle in our house which is that we celebrate effort over achievement, don't we? Um, I don't care, within reason, if my kids don't succeed at something, um, as long as they've tried their best. So ever since they were little, we've gone out and we celebrated, not grades, but we've gone out and celebrated effort. Um, don't know why, we just feel it's the right thing to do. And as a follower of Jesus, I want them to understand that it's better to attempt to do something for him and fail than not attempt at all. Not invest any time or energy or resources into other people or into what God's called them to be. You know, I want them, I want to have faith myself where I risk it all. I have eternal perspective of what's really important, not just the blue line. You know, perhaps the sparkle from your life is gone. The sparkle from your walk with Jesus is gone. Is it because you're investing mostly in yourself, mostly in this world? Perhaps you need to look around and think about what you've been given. Last thing, faith-filled obedience leads to more. Whereas fear leads to nothing. When we hear more, we're like, yeah, more, that's good. So if I'm really good, God will give me even more. Fantastic, right? It doesn't work like that. Not more is in stuff for me, but more is in stuff back to him. Back to him. Verses 28 to 30, we read that the servant who was fearful sat on the talent. He didn't do anything with it. And he had it removed, didn't he? It was taken from him. 
The servant who did, had five talents ends up with 11. And if you look at this purely from a physical point of view, you'll go, great, so people that have got lots get more. People who have got lots of money get more money. But that's not what's happening in the passage. In 1 Samuel, it says that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So often we look at what other people have got, don't we? I said it earlier. You go, I want what they've got. Or look at, they always get good stuff. They've got a bigger house. They've got this, that, and the other. We're looking at it the wrong way. We're looking at it the wrong way. 1 Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. God looks at servant one, and he sees a faithful and obedient person. He sees a person who knows all he has is because it's all he's been given. A person who's prepared to risk all that he has to give back more when his master finally returns. His heart was reflected by his actions, and God did what? Gave him more. (laughs) It's beautiful, isn't it? In other words, he had more opportunities to worship God, to glorify God, to live for God, to have an eternal impact. I just want to use Obi as a quick analogy. We've already said yes to this. So um, Obi's my son, if you don't know him. And... uh, and uh, some of you will know that he's in the ports of Academy and the world could look at that and they could be like, wow, what an awesome, he's going to be amazing and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, he must be so, uh, we are very proud of him, definitely. It must be because he works hard and it is because he works hard at football. Whereas we've tried to help Obi to understand and I believe he understands that he'll try and use his God-given talent to fulfill his potential because it honours God. It honours God and it shows that he's grateful for it. And along the way, whether he ends up playing for Portsmouth or someone else, sorry, there are other teams out there, um, you know, and it's a small chance, he knows this, it's like 1% chance. But whoever it is, in the eyes of the world, if he makes it in football, he's made it, right? But either way, if he does it because he's doing it to honour God, he's made it in the eyes of the Lord, which is way more powerful. Even if he ends up playing for the mighty Waypoint Football Club, right? Waypoint Football Club. He's doing it for the Lord, He's got a talent, no matter how limited that might be, and mine was very limited. And he's doing it, and he's bringing it to the Lord and saying, you've given this to me, I'm giving it back. I'm investing time. You know, Dan, who's up there at the end, you might remember Dan's a member. Uh, we've run, we did run the church football team since, what, I'm 41 now, so since we were 20. We've been involved in it on and off. You know, we're not the best footballers in the world. <laughs> we realised we had something to give, something to create a community, something where we could share Christ and God. And even though there were many Saturdays we didn't want games to be on, we poured out everything we had into it because we recognise that that's what God's given us. Look around. What are your time? Perhaps it is time for some of you. Perhaps you have a bit more time. What are your talents? What are your treasures? Where can you offer it back to God as an act of worship? But also along the way, you never know. Someone might get pulled into the eternal living that we all experience as followers of Christ. Coming into land. I love verse 21. It says, and it acts as a motivation for me. Well done. I want God to say, well done. I want to be seen and trusted by God so that it increases my responsibility and my capabilities. Not so that I look special up here or anywhere else. Not at all. No way. I fall a bits when I'm up here. It's not easy for me. But I want more responsibility so that I can bring honor and worship and praise to God. I hope that's your heart. You had the servants, they shared in their master's happiness, didn't they? Did you read that bit? That excites me. Does it excite you? I start at the beginning with the blue bit at the end of this rope. And this blue bit can occupy our lives. Maybe it is fitness, possessions, social media, maybe it's your job, whatever it is. 
Would you say those things have eternal impact? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they're good. Some of them are good for you. But are there areas perhaps where God is calling you, your life and all the things he's given you, to invest back into him? It says in Ephesians, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ, created in Christ, to do good works which God prepared for us in advance. Jesus taught that the greatest use of your life is to invest it in that which outlasts it. We see that, don't we, this week with the Queen. (laughs) She invested her life into this nation and to many nations around the world. But also, I bet if you got her a one-to-one, she would have said, I invested it where it really matters, in Christ, in God, in his work, in his everlasting, eternal kingdom. My challenge today is what will you choose, church? Church. 